I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. This is a new time slot for us. I know uh, we started uh, last week at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's a great time of day. You know, one of the things you look at is when do people listen? You know, when are people listening to radio? When are they listening to podcasts? And I think today in in our modern world, it's 24 hours a day. People listen to them all the time. I know lots and lots of people that download podcasts, which you can download this show. There are hundreds of episodes now on the AmericaOutloud.news platform. Uh, And then we have new shows all the time. So you can go back and listen to those old shows and some pretty funny ones. There's some powerful ones. And there's some other things that you might really enjoy. But, you know, for those of you who have been following Chasing Justice for all this time, I mean, as we started back in 2018, we started this show. And our original time slot, I think, was at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And then the show got more popular and we moved it into the, to the drive time hour at 3 o'clock where we've been for the last probably four years. Well, as time goes by, we start to see that uh, the content that we put out here, it's not all political. You know, we talk about life. We talk about philosophy. We talk about human nature. We talk about crime. We talk about following and chasing justice wherever we find it. So in conversations with the great Malcolm Out Loud, trying to figure out where can we move the show so that it has the most impact. And while 12 o'clock is good, that's when most people are making their lunch or heading out to get their lunch. By one o'clock, you're sitting down ready to have that sandwich or bowl of soup or whatever it is that you're doing. But one o'clock, I think, is a good time. I've listened to talk radio for the last 30 years of my life, Uh, all different uh, programs, uh, all different networks. And I found that morning drive time was was okay for me. I would listen, but I'm driving somewhere. I get somewhere and then, then I get out of the car. And, you know, I don't really listen any more than that because that's the purpose of drive time, right? In the afternoon, in the morning. And then I found that, okay, um, mid-morning, you know, if I'm at work, I could turn on a radio. But I always found that lunchtime, that lunch couple of hours between 12 and 3, was a pretty good time to listen. I know many of you listened to a host that I have spoken about here many, many times from 12 to 3. The entire time his show was on, and I'm talking, of course, about the great Rush Limbaugh. Uh, we all loved Rush, at least most of us do, uh, especially people in this this type of a of a career, talk radio. And Rush was on from noon to three every day. And you think the greatest uh, talk radio host, the most popular show that ever was for radio, was at twelve o'clock in the afternoon. So I like this time of day because this is when I used to listen the most you know at lunchtime i would pop on uh, the radio and listen and and now when you look in the afternoon from two o'clock till eight o'clock at night here on americaoutloud.news is all powerful uh, brand new shows new voices so really from from 12 o'clock actually all day long what you know you start in the morning there there's amazing shows here on the network and there's something for everybody, and I think that's what's absolutely amazing. But I wanted everybody to, to know that uh, 1 o'clock is our time now. This is where we'll be, 1 o'clock on weekdays. And then, of course, you can 
uh, hear the show in repeats at different times, uh, day and night. You know, they run the shows uh, over uh, the overnight period and, and on weekends. You can you can always saddle up with Lieutenant Joe and have a little bit of time. So, for those who are new to chasing justice and new to me, one of the things I like to do is ask questions. I ask questions about things that are on my mind. I do not tell anybody what they should think. Uh, I offer my opinions on lots of things. I offer ideas on things to consider. But I never like somebody telling me, well, you have to listen to this. I prefer that people give me facts, give me information, and then I sort through it. And I make my own decision of what I believe, don't believe, what I consider. Do I change my life? based on something I've learned or whatever. And that's what I try to do, right? I don't tell anybody what you should or shouldn't do. I have a lot of opinions. I have strong opinions on certain things, things I think are right and wrong. But I don't tell you that you're right and wrong. I just say this is what I think is right and wrong. You have to decide for yourself. And that's the beauty of talk radio. And that's the beauty of free speech. And that's what AmericaOutloud.news really is. It, it, is the, it is the beacon of free speech in our country that we need. And this is under attack. Free speech is under attack like never before. It is the the linchpin of all of our other freedoms. If you do not have the freedom to speak your mind, doesn't mean everybody has to listen, but every single American has a right to speak their mind. And if you choose to listen, that's up to you. But when we censor people because we don't like what they have to say, even if it's ugly, and there is some ugly speech out there, things that are disgusting, doesn't mean I have to listen to it, but it means the people have a right to say it. And I think it's also important when you find things you don't like to listen to it, to explore it, to try and understand it. What is it that they're saying? Right? Because we find a lot of cues to things that are going to happen in the future based on what people are saying now. So if somebody is out there saying something ugly, and that starts to catch on. We know it's going to happen in a few years. It's going to catch on bigger and bigger. For example, let's look at the uh, the war in Israel against Hamas, the terrorist group. And yes, so if, so if you're new to listening to Lieutenant Joe, Hamas is a terrorist group. Uh, I hold I hold no negative feelings about the people of uh, uh, of the West Bank and of Gaza. The men and women there who just want to raise their families and live their lives and, and pray to their God, I support them in that. But I do not support terrorist organizations, people that plot to kill, take over, destroy, rape, uh, pillage, uh, and do all the things that Hamas and terrorist organizations do. Remember uh, bin Laden and his crew and what they did to us and what they did around the world and ISIS and what they did? Right? Well, Hamas is exactly the same. But when you look and you see how we see in our country, the idea of anti-Semitism was one that we all knew that it's been around forever. You go back to, to biblical times, how the, the Jews have been treated throughout history, the pogroms that have happened throughout history, the attacks on Jews, the World War II, the Holocaust. You know, this is a repeated theme in humanity against the Jewish population. And when we see a group like Hamas and what they did on October 7th, going into Israel, crossing the border into Israel, raping, murdering, destroying entire families, little children, adults, babies. This is horrific and horrible and it has to be stomped out. 
You cannot allow that kind of a philosophy to be out there, right? We're against racism, aren't we? We have to get rid of racism, right? The idea that one group is better than another because of, uh, of their race, their religion, their skin color is absurd in our modern world. We understand that. We've gotten to that point where we're enlightened and we understand. We look at the person, we think about Dr. King and what he said, right? We judge people on the content of their character. This is where we all should be. And that's my opinion. You know, you can disagree. Uh, but I think that's where we should all be. I judge people on what they do, not on, on, on their background. Because you know what? People could judge me on my background. Oh, you're Italian-Irish guy, Lieutenant Joe. That means you're this and you're that and the other thing. It, it doesn't mean any of that. So I want to be treated based on how I behave, what I do, and the content of my character. So that's what I try to do with everybody else. Right? So when we look and we see the free speech about this, this war in in. In, uh, in Israel that's going on over there. The Israelis are trying to protect their nation and their people from bloodthirsty terrorist killers. Now, they have an argument. They think that Israel shouldn't be there, that they should be in charge of everything. Well, and that's, that's an argument. That's their free speech. They have a right to say it. They don't have a right to go into houses and kill babies and rape people and murder families. They don't have a right to do that. That's bad. That's evil. That's terrible. So, they have their free speech, but we listen to their speech, right? You say, oh, it's ugly. It's ugly speech. Yes, but they're telling you what they're going to do. They have said already now, even, even through the middle of this fighting, they have said if they had the opportunity to do another October 7th, they would do it. So what's that tell you? They're not looking for a two-state solution. They're not looking for peace. They're not looking to live side by side and raise their families and be happy. They've, the people there voted for Hamas. Now, maybe Hamas made a good case that they were going to, you know, make the trains run on time, you know, as that old story goes. And people thought, oh, this is a good opportunity. But they didn't do that. They're, they're a terrorist organization. And the, peop the good people that are in those places are suffering because of it. And they're suffering the results of war, the fact that the Israelis are going in there trying to destroy Hamas so they can't attack and kill, rape, burn, take hostages of innocent people anymore. That is the cost. That is the cost of having a group like that in your community. Right? That's why you don't vote for things like that. You vote for good and decent people that come forward and say, we have to figure out a way to create a vibrant economy, a healthcare system that can help everybody, educate our children, and live in peace with all of our neighbors. That's what they should be voting for, in my opinion. Right? They shouldn't be voting for people that say we're going to destroy Israel uh, from the river to the sea. That's what it's going to be. Uh, all that's asking for is for bloodshed, pain, and suffering for your families because Israel is not going away. Right? The world has recognized Israel as a legitimate country. It has allies. It has supporters. And no matter how many babies they cut out of their mother's wombs on the side of the road and kill in front of the mother, no matter how many times they rape young girls and children, no matter how many families they murder hiding in their closets from them, Israel is not going to go away. The rest of the world should be screaming out right now, release the hostages. These people have been kept since October 7th of 2023, brutally removed from their homes, injured, sick, elderly, children, and dragged into tunnels where they've been kept and who knows, I'm sure brutalized, 
Can't imagine that they're treating them very well. And the world is standing by telling Israel, stop, stop, stop. And the speech that's coming out, this anti-Semitic speech, which is now happening all across the United States and the world, is disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. But it's free speech. And it's allowed. What's not allowed is violence to go with it. Right? You can come out and say any ugly, horrible thing you want. But you can't act violently. You can't hurt anybody else. You shouldn't block traffic. I love in Florida, if you block traffic, they could run you over. Get out of the road. That should be a common sense thing. And that's kind of, that's kind of what we're missing. That's kind of what we're missing in, our, in America. You know, the rest of the world... Uh, I don't care for how they live in many places. I don't care for the socialist governments that are out there, uh, you know. But in America, we seem to have lost our mind with common sense. We we don't see common sense. We see we see we see our feelings dictating how we're going to respond to things. Well, I feel this way, so therefore it has to be real. We have to deal with reality. Reality. There's lots of things that we have to deal with. But what we've gone over the edge here is that we, we don't see common sense anymore. We certainly do not see the world the same way. Do we? Do we see the world the same way? Go back 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. The country was not divided like this, the way we are today, with the beliefs that people have that are not just different beliefs. They are diametrically opposed to one another. You know, talk about, look at, look at the things we, we deal with. Life and death. There is a, a huge swath of the country that is a, a believer that death is, is not a big deal. Uh, if you want to uh, terminate a pregnancy, killing the baby, it's no big deal. It's a choice. The baby's a choice and I choose not to have it. And I choose to kill it to get it out of my life. A lot of people believe that. And then there's people on the other side who believe that that is a beautiful, cherished thing. It's a human being. It's a baby. It is life. It's a miracle. And it should be protected at all points. What gets tied up in that argument is it's the mother's right to choose. The mother's right to choose. I get it. It's her body. Absolutely. You know, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do with their body. My question always is, what about the baby? And this is where the argument seems to really fall apart because people who want to keep abortion legal don't want to deal with the baby. That's why they say it's an unviable mass of cells. It's not a human. It's not this. It's not that. Because if they say it's a baby, then it's very hard to continue their argument. I remember New York City Mayor Ed Koch, a liberal uh, politician. Um, it was very popular at his time in New York City. And he used to come out and say, how am I doing? If you ever remember that, if you're old enough to remember Ed Koch, how am I doing? He used to ask people and get their street opinions. But he was very honest. I saw him on a talk show one time, and he came on, and he said, hey, listen, let's be honest about this abortion thing. Abortion is killing a baby. It's not removing an unviable cell mass. It's not doing it. It's killing a baby. And if people want to do that, I think they should have a right to do it. But let's be honest about it. And I found that refreshing. I'm opposed to that. I think the baby should be protected at all costs. But he was honest. And that's where the argument falls apart. So I don't, this is not a big talk about abortion. This is just showing we have this culture in America that is completely opposed to each other. How about um, assisted suicide and death at the end of life, right? You say, well, if someone is sickly and they're, they're, they have a horrible suffering cancer, and people do, they have diseases that are absolutely horrific and painful and terrible, and we want to allow 
our medical profession to end their life. So you say, well, that's compassionate, right? That people want, somebody wants to die because they're suffering, you should let them. And I, I gotta say that I think it's a slippery slope when we start to devalue life. But my point being is we have two different sides in this country. We have a life culture and a death culture and they're completely at odds, right? This is not something we ever had really before. This is a, a modern uh, incarnation of, of thought processes. And these things are battling themselves out constantly, uh, life culture and death culture. You know, what is it that, we're, that we do here? So as I'm thinking about these things, and I'm saying this, this freedom of speech, this rise of anti-Semitism, there was a time when we all agreed after we saw you know, historically, everybody knows what happened to the Jews, but that was like in antiquity, in times beyond us, and things we never. And then the Holocaust happened in World War II, and we saw a visual reality of what hatred looks like, of what brutality of hatred looks like. All right, and we saw what the Nazis did to the Jewish community the brutality with which they treated them, the murder, the destruction of families. It cried out to our humanity that we had to do something about it. And that's where the state of Israel was created, their traditional homeland, right? This is not something that they just, you know, let's wipe these people out and give it to Israelis. Let's give it to the Jews. That's not what happened. The Jews have been there for thousands and thousands of years, right? And it's their traditional homeland. And the world decided at that time, seeing that horror, that we need to do something to help protect this community, which is constantly being attacked. And the state of Israel was, uh, was created. And it was accepted by the major powers of the world so that they would have a homeland and a place to be. And anti-Semitism was considered very, very bad. That we realized you shouldn't speak like that. You shouldn't make jokes. You shouldn't stereotype. You shouldn't say ugly things about the community. They have suffered unbelievably. And that was, that was the standard for many, many years. Now, we all know that we hear people make negative comments about the Jewish community here and there under their breaths in private conversations. They don't like somebody for this reason. They don't like somebody for that reason. But it was not an accepted thing. If you came out and made anti-Semitic statements, you were treated very harshly because that's ugly, it's horrible. Just like it would be to say anything like that about any group, but especially one that had been so victimized over the years. And what did we see? Anti-Semitic talk was down. We have uh, task force trying to stop anti-Semitic behavior, et cetera, et cetera. And now we have seen the speech change. Now we are seeing it's okay to be anti-Semitic. It is, it's in the mainstream of media. It's in the mainstream of politics. It's in the main street uh, of, of America where people are outright being anti-Semitic. And is that, a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. You can disagree with what's going on over there, but you really should educate yourself on the history of that area. Not just what you hear in news clips, not just what Hamas says, but on what's really going on over there, what's really happening and why this is taking place, right? And we hear the speech codes change. We hear now the president is quietly trying to tell him to back off, back off, back off. Why? What did Hamas say? That's why we listen to people who say ugly things. What do they have to say? If we have a chance to do October 7th again, we will. We don't want a two-state two state solution. We want Israel gone. They're telling you what they're going to do. 
So therefore, you have to listen. When somebody like that says something, you have to listen to what they're going to do. And that's why free speech is so important. Okay, so to my, my new one o'clock uh, friends, how are you? Welcome aboard. You know, here on the platform, uh, AmericaOutloud.news, you can go in there and you can comment to me. You can go in and you can uh, send me questions. You can say things. You can tell me if you agree, you don't agree. I think that's awesome. That's a really powerful thing uh, for communication because that's a two-way communication. So if you want to go on there, AmericaOutloud.news, go in there and, uh, you know, send me some questions. Send me some things. You know, I read them all. Whenever somebody sends it, I read it. Sometimes I send a private email back. Uh, sometimes I make notes and I comment. Uh, I don't usually use anybody's names. I just kind of blend their commentary into what I'm talking about. But it's a good way for us to connect and for me to know what's important to you, right? Free speech. That's the whole idea. So one of the things that we do here is I have my pages of outrages. You hear that? These are the notes that I make in show preparation when I sit and I look at the world and I, and I decide what it is that I want to talk about today. What's, what's going on uh, that I, I'm trying to think through myself? Because that's something I do. I try and think through myself. What do I believe about something? I don't listen to sound bites other than when I hear them, I say, okay, well, they just said this. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm my own fact checker. I go look things up. I go read things. I research. I listen to other people. I try and get an understanding of what's going on and create an opinion and see what's going on so I can understand um, the world around me. And that's what we do here. That's chasing justice. You get it? You want to know the truth. Truth will set you free. It's better to know the truth and then make a decision based on reality than it is to listen to sound bites and clips and lies and all this other nonsense that's out there. And then your opinions are skewed because you don't get real information. We are played on by people who want to change our points of view. Uh, they play on our emotions. And that's what I was saying before. We are governed by emotion in America now, right? It, it, that doesn't seem right, so we should all do this. Well, you can feel any way you want. You can believe anything you want, but we have to be truthful. We have to be truthful. Uh, doesn't mean we have to be cruel to anybody. We can understand people's situations. We can be compassionate. We can try and accommodate and help them as best as we can. But we have to be truthful no matter what the situation is. All right? So my pages of outrages here are things that I, I make notes about that I, I like to talk about and see what's going on. So one of the things I have here is very important. It is potentially something that could change things for quite a while for all of us and the world. Now, we look at the war going on in Hamas, against Hamas, uh, by the Israelis, and we're trying to say, hope it doesn't spread any further. Let's not let it spread any further. And then we have the Houthi uh, groups who are Iran-backed, and they are firing missiles all over the place into Israel, but they're firing at our military personnel, at our ships. Now, our technology is pretty good so far. Uh, there have only been minor injuries to people. Our, our uh, military has managed to shoot down lots and lots of their missile drones and, and all of that kind of stuff. And their, their attacks have not been overwhelming, but they've been attacks. And recently, one of their attacks was very successful. Matter of fact, it was an act of war. They fired missiles into a uh, U.S. military installation. Uh, between Syria and Jordan, and there's controversy w which side of the border it's on, but it's a United States military 
installation that's there for the purpose of fighting terrorists so they don't come here again. And now three United States military personnel have been killed by one of these bombs and dozens, dozens of people injured by this attack. Now, up till now, President Biden's response, his whole, his whole position uh, has been very, very weak and weakness invites more violence and invites more attacks. When people think that you are weak and they are evil, they will take advantage. So you might want to go back into the podcast and see a whole uh, conversation I had about understanding why good does not understand evil and can't really deal with evil because it's just so foreign in a concept where evil does what it does and good tries to explain it away. It's a mistake. It was an errant thing. It didn't mean to do it. It can't really be that bad because good does not understand evil. And that's why evil sometimes gets away with things for a long time. So attacking terrorism is evil. It is evil. And we're seeing that it happens. So now we've lost three American soldiers have been killed and dozens injured. There have been over 150 of these attacks. How many attacks do you have to take? How many times does your neighbor get to uh, shoot across the, your, your fence and aim at your family before you're going to do something about it? Something serious, like stopping them, right? Well, you talk. Why do we talk, right? We talk. Knock it off. You shouldn't do it. Don't do that. And then they do it again. And you talk some more. And before you know it, your neighbor starts to understand that you're an easy pushover. You're not going to do anything about it. So I'm going to increase what I do. And this is what we're seeing in the world. And all of this is coming to us sponsored by Iran. Iran wants to run the world. They want to establish a caliphate. They want to take over that part of the world, throw America out, get rid of Israel. They've been saying it for years. We have to listen to what they're saying. Now they have these proxy groups all over the place in that area that are attacking Americans, attacking Israelis, attacking other interests in the area. And what do we do about it? Well, we blew up a shed. We sent uh, these powerful uh, F-18 Hornets in there and we blew up a shed. We hit a couple of buildings, electrical buildings or something or other where oh, two people were in there what kind of message does that send? It says, this is an anemic response. We don't really want to respond. And what I keep hearing, and I, I am not a hawk that says war, war, war. I'm not, because that means people, young people are going to, American young people are going to sacrifice their lives and limbs to do it. So I do not take that lightly. But we see these the, the this call out there to to, to do nothing, to, to not respond, to not provoke Iran. Don't provoke them because they'll do even more. Well, you know what? In a world of good and evil, there's a time that good has to stand up and put evil down and say, that's enough. And you do that by hitting them so hard that they think twice about ever again doing what they're doing. And we have not done that. And the Iranians are bringing us to the brink of a major conflict in that part of the world, which could easily spill out into a much, much bigger conflict. All right, so this is, uh, this is our, uh, our one o'clock get together. Uh, and I'll be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. 
Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Now, George Washington once encouraged us to animate and encourage each other and show the whole world that a free man contending for liberty on his own ground is superior to any slavish mercenary on earth. That's exactly what we do, as you'll see when you visit AmericaOutloud.news. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, everybody. So one of the things that I do talk about here is staying healthy and being healthy. And one of the ways we can do that is by eating properly, right? We can go out and uh, make sure you exercise and not, not, not walking around the house. That's not really exercise. You got to go out and actually concentrate on exercise. You got to get your heart rate up. You got to do all that kind of stuff. Well, one of the ways I found to help myself and my family is I discovered some products that are advertised here on the network. Uh, they are the Healthy Cell products. Now I, I am not uh, sponsored by them. They do not send me a check. Um, I heard them on the network and I purchased some of their products and I like them. So the one I take is a Super Immune Boost. It really helps your system fight off infections and colds and all that stuff. And I found it for the last couple of years been absolutely excellent product. And I'm not a big believer in those. You know, I don't know if supplements work. This this thing, stuff is excellent. Um, and I, I tell everybody about it because I really like it. They also have a sleeping product. Uh, if you have trouble sleeping, and lots of people do, uh, it helps you get your REM sleep, helps you uh, sleep through the night. And I know it works because I know people that take it. 
Uh, and then they also have a uh, focus factor stuff, right, to help you think more clearly, do the right thing in your brain so you can uh, you can remember why you walk into that room. You know, where did I leave the keys? What's going on? I have a big meeting today, whatever it is. So I tell you about it because it's important stuff and I, I like it. So I'm telling you that I like it. The Healthy Cell products, they are here on the network. Uh, if you're looking to try and make yourself healthier, give them a try. All right. So as we took our first break here, we were talking about uh, Iran and uh, what's going on, the sponsorship of Iran and terrorism and, and how that's handled in the world. Um, Iran, for those of you who weren't around in the late 1970s, I was a, a teenager, but I remember seeing the world and I remember the hostage crisis. Uh, president Jimmy Carter was the president and Iran oh, had been uh, under a, uh, the Shah, the Shah of Iran was a more progressive thinking individual. And that's when the resurgence of the um, Islamic movement really started, it started in Iran. Uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini uh, was a exiled leader removed by the Shah because he was a very hardline Muslim leader and he believed in traditional Muslim laws and practices and Sharia and all of that kind of stuff. And he was exiled to France. Well, at some point, there was a movement to bring him back, to bring back that kind of um, lifestyle, a more um, religion-based lifestyle. And the Shah of uh, Iran was deposed. Um, and who came in? Ayatollah Khomeini comes in and he in establishes Sharia law and they turn into a very, very um, strict Islamic rule country. Women were no longer allowed to be educated. They had to change their dress. The burqa came into effect and it, it really was a throwback to centuries ago. And it was very, very hard line and they captured uh, American hostages out of the embassy, the American embassy, and they kept them. And this was a huge controversy uh, in the world because seeing a, a group like that take American hostages and then it, it really damaged Jimmy Carter. Not that, his, not that his leadership was very good. He was a very nice man and a very good man. But unfortunately, um, his progressive liberal policies really gave America a, a, a wake-up call on what not to do. And it ushered in eventually, of course, uh, the great Rinaldus Magnus, Ronald Reagan, and the, a much more conservative way of operating in the world. That's a different episode. But the hostages were held for 444 days, and every day on the news they would come out, day 327 of the hostage crisis, day 328, and it became a drumbeat. And it kind of really, it should have awakened everyone to what happened here. There was no powerful response to taking these hostages because of course someone takes your hostages and they have control over them your fear is anything that you do is going to get those people killed and as good and decent people you try and do the right thing you try and negotiate you talk and try what is it these people want to give us back our people you know let them go just like we have right now uh in in gaza they have hundred so hostages americans israelis other foreign dignitaries other foreign i mean nationals these people were brutalized and they're still in captivity 
So what are we doing? We're dancing around, trying to come up with a way to appease a terrorist group. Do, do, do you think they're going to they're gonna do anything? No. And that's because we're good. You see, get the idea? Good doesn't understand evil. Right? So anyway, the, the uh, Iranian government held these hostages for 444 days. And what happened was the Carter administration was very weak. And they, they tried a rescue. Um, and there was a military operation and a couple of uh, helicopters that had sent troops in there to try and try and maybe free them. They crashed over the desert and it was a horrific thing. Uh, lost military personnel. And the, the American people just were devastated that, you know, wh wh where where is our military? Where is our American might that we can allow this to happen to us and then we can't even go rescue them. We can't do anything. And it was a tragedy. But that was that was a call that people should have paid attention to to realize that this philosophy, this uh, culture of thinking is something to be reckoned with, not to be played with. They do not understand weakness in that world. In that world, all they understand is strength. And Jimmy Carter was very weak. His, uh, his attempts were anemic. And on a, the only thing that ended that, the only thing that ended that crisis was the election of Ronald Reagan. And to, to make, to put a fine point on it, Reagan had been saying that he was going to get those hostages out and he was going to take very strong action. And as he was being sworn in, as he was taking the oath of office, the Iranians put the American hostages on an airplane and flew him out of Iran because they knew what was coming, because they understand strength. And Reagan was being very strong and no doubt he would have done something. Now, this is, this is, a, this is a problem for good for good. Good, what do you do? Do you, do you go in with massive power and punish the hostage takers and maybe lose the hostages? Or do you continue to talk, 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 talk? They have no intention of releasing them. They, that is power, right? When evil, right? When evil takes people hostage, giving up those hostages relinquishes the power they have in the dynamic. So they're never going to give them up unless it suits them, right? And this is what good people have a hard time understanding. So Reagan had a choice to make. You know, say they didn't release them that day. Um, and he could make that announcement. I'm told that the hostages have left Iranian airspace and the country rejoiced. And we got a good lesson on what strength does, when strength and resolve does. Now, how would it have gone? If uh, Reagan sent in massive forces and decimated Iran, ruined their oil production capacity, attacked their government buildings, lit them all up, would those hostages have been executed? There's a very good chance that might have happened. Might have happened. So this is where, when we, when we talk about world relations and everybody says, oh, the president should do this and the president should do that and why don't they do this? And These kind of decisions that have to be made cannot be made from a position of weakness because a position of weakness just invites more evil. Evil only understands strength and resolve. So when I, when I hear people make these kind of cavalier comments about, well, we should do this, we should just do that. What you're going to do is you got to look at it and say, if Reagan had gone in there and wiped out 
their government facilities, wiped out their transport, wiped out everything as a punishment for what they did, and those hostages were killed, that would have been a terrible, terrible tragedy in the world of good. Right? We say, why did we do that? We could have kept on talking. We could have kept on doing that. And that is, this is where the hard, hard decisions that have to be made sometimes um, are, are not easily done, right? So you're making a decision that you're going to go in there and you're going to punish the, the evil. You're going to go in and, and hit the Iranians so hard that maybe you topple them down but you're going to lose your hostages. So the question then, is there a greater good that is done by taking that kind of an action? And that sounds really uncomfortable, especially in modern America. That idea sounds really, really uncomfortable because why would we do that? Who are we to do that? We have no right to do that. But you've got to understand, the rest of the world is not America. The rest of the world does not enjoy the life that we enjoy. They do not enjoy the freedoms we enjoy. They don't have the rights that we have. The rest of the world is controlled by governments. Well, we're be more and more we're being controlled by government, but that's a whole other show. When you look at a place like Iran, they have uh, you know speech police and they have religion police and they come around and pull you out in the middle of the night like most dictator governments do. So. What are they going to listen to? They're never going to let those hostages go. So they will listen to power. That's all they'll listen to. And this is where I, I, I just say when I hear somebody say, well, why don't we do Well, that's a big decision to make. But we bring, now, now we transform that to today. Move forward now. Iran was held at bay for a long time by Reagan, uh, by subsequent governments who kept most of the policies and then we come along and here's Donald Trump because you started to see Iran grow again and grow into its creating all of these uh, proxies creating terrorism we had the war on terror we had the the 9-11 happen and, he, and down the road comes Donald Trump as president and he's very strong he's very strong as the president and he lets it be known he's not going to allow those kind of things to take place he put sanctions on that crippled them because so the only money they got is their oil money. And with money, they support terrorism. So he crippled them because of their evil. Now, people complained. I remember news report, the people of Iran are starving because of this. They have no food because of this. Well, then why is the government continuing to support terrorism? See, this is what happens. When your government acts in these ways to support terrorist activities, the population suffers. Right? The population suffers. The American uh, sanctions were not meant to hurt the Iranian people. It was to shut down the Iranian government from doing evil around the world. A very, very tough decision. Just like the Israelis going into Gaza to get rid of a terrorist organization that is bloodthirsty and murderous and homicidal. They have gone out of their way to protect civilians as best as they possibly can. It's a war against Hamas, which is the government there, which wants to kill and destroy Israel. They tell people, get out of these buildings. We're going to hit this building. Get out of this area. We get, and people are screaming, oh, it's not right. They can't do this. They can't. It's the government that they voted for. Or maybe they're just stuck with it. Maybe they were overpowered. The good and decent people there, I feel terrible for them. 
I feel terrible for them because it's unfortunate that they're stuck there. But these are hard decisions that have to be made. Innocent civilians will be killed in any type of a conflict. That's just the truth. So imagine yourself being in charge. You are in charge and you have to make a decision. Protect your interests and your country from another foreign power, but to do so means civilians on their side are going to be injured and killed. Not an easy decision, not a thing to, to take lightly, but it's a reality. You know, look in World War II. In World War II, it was all out war against Germany and against Japan. We dropped a nuclear bomb on the cities where civilians lived because we had to break the will of the people to stop supporting their government and show their government that there was no way forward with war. They were now going to be destroyed. And that brought the war to an end. And historians look at it uh, and people who want to rewrite history and look at it as big bad America. But did we start the war? We did not. We were attacked. Uh, we responded to the war. And why should we, they, there's estimates that say we saved a million American soldiers from attacking Japan, from mainland attack of Japan. Why should we have lost a million soldiers to do it traditionally when we had a weapon that could bring it to an end? And they dropped two of those bombs and they surrendered. And that was the end of the conflict. Now it was horrible what happened to the civilians there, but they brought that on themselves by supporting that government. Right? So we have to look at that. And again, that's hard for people to hear. They're just innocent people. Well, if you support an evil government, if you support their ideas, well, you might not be the person wielding the sword or attacking the people in the, the babies in the, in, the, in the kibbutz. But if you're supporting that and you voted for that, that's what, that's what you get. And, and that's a terrible way to say that. It's a horrible thing to say. But it's the truth. You know, if you support evil, if you supported Hitler and your village got destroyed by the American and the allies, um, well, that's what happens when you support evil and good fights back. Right? So we look at Iran today and it brings us to this point. Again, we have another very weak leader in Joe Biden. He is, he's got mental deterioration issues just of his age, it happens. Uh, and he's very, very weak, and he has sent messages out that he's weak and he's not going to respond. He is compromised financially with the Chinese. That's why he doesn't attack them. They gave him and his family a lot of money. Uh, so therefore, he doesn't say anything really negative about them. He lets them do what they're going to do because they have all the goods on him. They could certainly bring out all the stuff that really happened because you don't think in a communist nation they don't record every single phone call? Of course they do. They have all of that stuff, I'm sure. Uh, and then we look at Ukraine. You know, he's given billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. How come? Well, because he's compromised in Ukraine. If he doesn't give that money, you can see Zelensky showing up and doing a press conference going, hey, here's what uh, what happened with Biden. They got all this money, right? That's why we paid him. So all of these things, he's compromised, but he's weak is the real key. He's weak and therefore evil sees weakness and it moves forward. When it sees strength, it stops and backs up, especially if he can't overcome the strength, right? So. We're back to the table again where Iran has been this persistent, persistent negative in that part of the world and it is affecting the rest of the world. And we're at this crossroads once again with Iran. What do we do? Well, now they have these proxies that everyone pretends 
is not Iran because if you, if you say it's Iran, if we determine, yeah, they're the ones responsible, uh, then you have to do something about it. And when you're weak and you don't want to do something about it, then you find all these excuses. It's the Houthis. The Houthis are doing this. So we'll blow up a garage and teach them a lesson and then they keep firing rockets. And now uh, one of those groups, Hezbollah, Hamas, Houthis, the other ones are ISIS, whoever it is, it's all over there sponsored by Iran, encouraged by Iran, funded by Iran. They have now killed three American soldiers. And you say, oh, Lieutenant Joe, you're gonna do all that just for three? These are three Americans and dozens who have been injured. And remember, what's the lessons we just went through here? When evil gets away with things, do they go, well, I guess that's enough. I guess we're good now. No, they press forward, they get more emboldened, they grow stronger, and they do more hideous, horrible things. It's just like crime. See, let's look at crime is another in the category of evil. Now, someone who's starving to death and they steal bread and milk, that's not necessarily an evil. But someone who goes in and rapes and murders people or burglarizes someone's house and then abuses a child that's in the house because they have opportunity, that's evil. And when we back off going after evil criminals and locking them up and getting them away from society because, you know, we're having a new thought. We've got to be nice to everyone. Do criminals turn around and say, you know, the police aren't making arrests anymore and they're not harassing me anymore. And, uh, you know, I just going about my, you know, I'm going to stop raping and robbing and murdering because, you know, there's something wrong with that. Right. No, they don't do that. They say, hey, the cops ain't locking people up. We're not being held accountable. I'm going to rape and rob and murder more. And that's why crime is out of control now. That's why our cities are out of control. They're unsafe, they're dangerous because of crime, because we backed off. Good, trying to do good, trying to understand, trying to try it a different way. Good doesn't understand evil and evil takes advantage. So crime and terrorism are based in the same vein. And what we're seeing with Iran now, they do support all of these groups financially. And where did they get that money? Oh yeah, they were crippled by uh, Trump's um, tariffs and everything he put on them, uh, sanctions he put on, they were crippled. They didn't have money to support them all. Where did they get money? Oh, right. When Joe Biden came in, the first thing he did was lift the sanctions off of Iran so they could sell oil. And they went from, uh, I think they, I just heard a news uh, flash the other day. They had $4 billion in reserves, $4 billion. And now they got 70 or $80 billion in reserves from selling all this oil. So now they have money to support terrorism. That support just killed three American soldiers. And I guess in one way we can say we're lucky it only killed three American soldiers. Remember the barracks bombing that these terrorists did, the Marine barracks in Lebanon, and they killed 270 something soldiers sleeping in their bed? That's what evil does, unless you put it down. And Biden is too weak to do that. Our friends on the left are too weak to do that. And they have all kinds of other interests that are not pro-American, and that's the problem, right? So what do we see? We see Iran being a problem again. Now Biden has to do something. What's he going to do? I can imagine right now sitting in the, uh, in the uh, situation room there, well, what are we going to do? What should we do? General? Well, I think we should, uh, we should hit their Navy and sink their Navy. Ah, that's a pretty strong response. May I remind you, Mr. President, these are three dead Americans and dozens of injured Americans, and we look weak if we don't do something very strong. I know, but we don't want to start a bigger, we don't want to provoke them into doing more. 
Well, by not doing something very strong, that's provoking them to do more because they're not afraid. What are we going to do? We're going to we're going to blow up another garage, another thing that's got you know not some nonsensical things in there. And I told you I'm not a hawk, but I can only be pushed so far. So let's turn to President Joe now. President Joe is in charge. And I'm in that situation room. And I look and say, three American patriots, soldiers, someone's son, daughter, husband, wife. We don't know who these soldiers are yet. Were killed by this bloodthirsty terrorist promoting government. They are wreaking havoc around that world. They're causing economic problems. They are causing death and destruction. What, would, what are we going to do, Mr. President? And what I would say is, well, the very first thing we're going to do is we are going to teach them a very, very tough lesson. And you're not just teaching them. You're teaching every other despotical, crazy, uh, maniacal, evil government out there, the Chinese, the Russians, everybody, that America is not a place to trifle with us. Do not do these things to us because there's a terrible price to pay. And if you're not in front of this wave, if you're behind the wave, you're playing catch up and then that's going to be a problem for every American. So President Joe would say, I want all of their oil producing fields targeted. I want three carrier groups within striking distance immediately. I want to pinpoint where all their naval ships are. And in the very, very near future, when that stuff is in place, I want those oil fields devastated and taken out of production. And there goes their money. They don't have money then to support terrorism. Then I want all their government buildings targeted where all of these people meet and when they run their governments. And I want those places leveled. And I want their Navy sunk. Now, boy, that's pretty hawkish. It is. It is pretty hawkish. And it's ugly. Any kind of a conflict like that is ugly. But how many more Americans have to die? How many more communities have to be stormed by terrorists and people raped, murdered, babies killed before good stands up and says, that's it. No more. This stops now. You see, so I don't take these things lightly. It's not bravado running out of my mouth. It's understanding human nature. If there's not a penalty to pay for their evil behavior, right? They're not the people getting bread and milk to feed themselves. These are evil people. And now they've killed Americans. They've killed other people. They're causing a huge conflict that's going to change the life of the Western world in a negative way. It's opening the doors for the invasion of Taiwan. Because in the conflict, when everything's running around, are we really going to go stop the Chinese crossing the, crossing the sea and going to Taiwan? Are we really going to go over there and fight the Chinese over that? No. And they all know it. They're just waiting to see when's the opportune moment to do it. What's going to respond? We're going to stand up. We're going to make them. We're going to hold them accountable. And what are you going to do? What are you actually going to do to the Chinese? Nothing. You're going to go to war with the Chinese? No. That threat is over. You let them get too big, too strong, too powerful that you don't control that anymore with a threat of response. They're just going to do it whenever they feel 
the moment is right, especially with somebody like a Joe Biden in place. So while I say these things, and they sound terrible, and they're uncomfortable to say, they're decisions that have to be made. Yes, will we'll American service personnel probably get killed in an operation like that? Yes, they will. And that is a big deal. That is one of the most important things we could consider. But the reality is militaries are there for when they're needed. The men and women who are in our military are brave patriots who are there to protect their country. Historically, these men and women have laid down their lives at the altar of freedom. And if you have that tool in your toolbox, there comes a time you may have to use it so that the evil in the world realizes there is a huge price to pay, that we are willing to sacrifice to bring peace to the situation. And that's what it should, it's not about conquering. It's not about taking like many of the evil despotic governments around the world do. This would be to stop them from being evil. Do you see? So it's, it's, it's sometimes the concept of a righteous war is even built into religious uh, concepts. You know, there's a time. How many times do you let somebody attack your family before you fight back and bloody their nose so they know not to come to your house anymore, that there's too much of a price to pay? Well, we're at that place now. Americans have been killed, 150 attacks, dozens of people injured. Do you think they're going to slow down? Do you think they're going to stop? Didn't we just hit them a couple of weeks ago, the Houthis? Didn't we just hit them? Well, not really hard, but we hit them harder than we had. Did they stop? Did this stop? No, now they've killed Americans. There's a time and a place to stand up. And we've reached that place. Because if we don't, all the world will be set to burn. That's what's in the future. That's why it's imperative to be strong. All right, my friends. It was nice to get together here today. Remember, come and check us out every weekday at 1 o'clock here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.